Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to another episode of Controllers and Couches. I am Full Metal Chicken. And I'm Steph. Fafa. <laughs> Hi, everyone. And How are you all? This is the Christmas special. Well, this is the post-Christmas special. Post-Christmas this special. This is the... New Year, New Year's Eve Eve special. Yes, the New Year's Eve Eve special. So hopefully everyone's having a good uh, break if they got some. Um, well, everyone else is working. Yeah. Um, Stay safe, everyone. Yes. Make sure you drink water, eat before having the other non-child-friendly drink. Yeah. Have a desi. All the fun stuff. Uh, and make sure wherever you go, you take someone with you. And, because and send people your locations on your phone. You can always disable that later. Um, just so people know kind of that you're safe. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Right on. So, life updates. It was Christmas Day two days ago for us. Yeah. Uh, basically, just flat out working. And then we finished a ton of stuff on Netflix, which we'll get into later. You had a visit on Christmas Day from a not-so-friendly eight-legged critter. Yep. That was fun. That I magically, majestically spotted it literally... Yeah, in a, the last uh, moments. As it was either a black widow or a redback that decided to drop out of the ceiling and nearly landed on my head. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming because it wasn't radioactive, I would have become Peter Parker, therefore I would have become Spider-Man. Well, no offence, but if it had, been, had either one of us, we would technically be okay. Yeah. But if it was one of the floofs, and the floofs use that as a thoroughfare, that's yeah. it. Game over. So, I wasn't going to take any chances. So we very, very quickly threw furniture across the room, yeah. literally, and Steph hunted for the spider, and Steph got the spider. Yep, okay. Um, you had a gaming update. Uh, yes, what was the gaming? Yeah, um, with uh, COD, everyone was saying, oh yeah, jump on shipment, uh, yeah, be fun with an LMG, do some camping. I'm like, I'm not a camper, I'm more of a <coughs> person. So I took up the mantle of let's see what happens if I take a level one LMG and go on shipment. So in the space of maybe a couple of hours, I got that LMG up to about maybe level 30. You go, girl. So, so, so happy for you. You live your best life. Yeah. So camping on shipment with an LMG, or well, not so much camping, just running around, it, 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 it's stupid. So yeah, uh, that and, you know, the continued continued World of Tanks dramas. But considering we were watching The Witcher, I'm thinking about getting back into playing The Witcher series. Well, we can't do that because we uninstalled it to install the new season for Call of Duty. Oh, great. But, um, yeah. Um, our quiz for today is... I want to, like, hustle through this because, as you can see from the main topic, like, there's a lot to cover. Uh, throw a New Year's Eve party and we'll reveal the one big thing that'll happen to you in 2020. As always, links in the description, so feel, f please feel free to quiz yourself with us. Alright, I'll do question one. Yep. What time does the party start? 3pm, 5pm, 8pm, or 11pm right before midnight? Uh, I'm going to go for 5pm. I'm going to go for 3pm because I'm watching Netflix here. Uh, who's watching? Who's coming? Who's coming? Uh, just some close friends, family, a bunch of friends and family, the whole neighbourhood. I'm just going to say just some close friends. Um, but your close friends could be family. You could see your close friends as family. Yeah. Yeah, so. okay, fine. Family for me. Family. Choose some decor. There's some flaggy garland. Assorted colour pennants is what the image is called. 
balloons or select your focus photography of assorted color balloons. Hmm. Lights, turned on string light or confetti, also known as ribbons and confetti on floor. I'm going to go for lights. Yeah, I think I'm going to go... I like the, the, the garlands. The garland. The garlands. Right, now to the more important questions. Okay. Choose a snack to oh, serve. Also, sorry if you hear sound outside. Um, we're recording 12 hours earlier than the normal time that we record. So. Yeah. so, choose a snack to serve. You've got a bowl of chips. You've got some Le Pretzels. You have fruits and olives topped on a cake. And you've got El Papa's Corms. So, yeah, I'm going poppy corn. So am I. Then... What about drinks? So, soda or soft drink? Beer? Their wine or cocktails? I will go for soda. Yep, me too. Uh, choose something else to serve. You get a pizza. Uh, you've got savoury chicken on a plate, which looks very close to, you know, chicken, chicken wings. wings. Um, you've got white ceramic platter, which looks like a pasta bake. Yeah. Macaroni or something. And then you've got sushi. So I'm going pizza. Same. Uh, choose a dessert. You've got... It looks like a pavlova, but cherry topped. Some kind of caramel cake thing. Donuts. Uh, then you've got sprinkled cookies in a bowl. And then you've got sprinkled cupcakes. I'm going to go for donuts. Yeah, I'm win for a donut. Uh, choose an activity. Baking, board games, beer pong, karaoke, board games for the win. Mm -hmm. Hmm, let's see. Um, yeah, I'm going to adopt a new pet. So am I. Woo! And there's a picture of um, Jennifer Aniston, the dude who plays... Oh, Chandler, that's right. And a puppy. Sweet. Joy. So, uh... I, but I thought we actually uh, answered some questions differently this time. Mm. Fair enough. All right, movie reviews. We actually saw Rise of Skywalker before we filmed the last episode, but because it was going up earlier, uh, we decided not to talk about it. We're going to talk about it today, but it's going to be non-spoilery. Yep. Um, basically, if you have the ability to switch your brain off for approximately 2 hours and 20 minutes, it's okay. Yeah, if you're not familiar with uh, the extended... Star Wars universe, or as I put it, uh, my if you're not a diehard OG Gold era fan, yeah, you'll you'll enjoy it. You'll you'll probably give it eight out of ten. For me, uh, I wasn't happy. Uh, there was a lot of thinking, a lot of I found it was disjointed for me. I've had other people who've given a ten out of ten, so and they're they're they're, they're massive Star Wars fans too. So for me, I didn't enjoy it. For them. They really enjoyed it. So a lot of people enjoy it. I'm in the camp that didn't enjoy it. I just, I think I was bitter and just sitting there calling things out. Well, not really calling things, but things we discussed, watching them all happen. Do you know what I think they did? I literally think that they went through all the Reddits and the YouTube video posts of people having theories about where the saga was going to go. And then they picked the most popular ones for fan service. No one liked Rose because Rose was too, you know, woman in charge. And the mean fans decided, no, we don't like her. So they gave her minimal screen time. And then I think it was just a case of a lot of people wanted to, you know. There was a Star Trek crossover within the last five minutes. I'm not going to give away, but yep. you'll know it when you see it. 
And then it's like, oh, Star Wars did it first. No, 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 no. Star Trek did it first. But I think because so many people got butthurt over the last movie. Rightly so. A lot Rightly of people so. at Disney were like, okay, well, we need to appease the fans. We need to make the hardcore fans happy. And as the whole saying goes, you can't please everyone. So I think they've tried to do yeah. something with it. But, but look, I'm not a hardcore fan as you and your brother are. I am a fan. My I grew up with the second trilogy. Um, and even then, I'm not saying it was all fantastic, perfect roses, whatever. But this one, especially this last movie, I could barely tolerate. And going on what I know from just Star Wars lore, I guess you could say, or the Force lore, there were so many things that I was looking at you like, this doesn't happen. Like, this isn't part of it. You can't, this stuff can't be happening. And I, again, we're not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. Maybe in a year or two's time, we'll go back and do if someone wants, but I don't want to spoil it for people who obviously haven't seen it in the first week. Because if it was three, four years from now, you could say it's tolerable Yeah. to start giving out spoilers, but what do you do? But all in all, if you had to give it a rating out of 10? Me? Me personally? I'm giving it a three. For me, I'm giving it all a one. I, okay. I was not happy at all. So, yeah, I'm the bad guy. No, uh, and a lot of people are going to give me flack for it, but at the end of the day, that that's no. Just... That's, look, you paid your money. You went. No one's given style. You know these little tiny boppers, and that's another point. Like there was a kid there who I would guesstimate was about between the ages of ten and fourteen. I would say he's about twelve, to be honest. And even he was so bored by the movie, he pulled out his um, what do they call that? The Nintendo Switch, and yep. he was playing on it during the movie. And you go, if a kid of that age. Is playing no on interest. a Nintendo Switch. What's left for the rest of the world? And it was jumpy. And this was on release date, and it just didn't make sense. But anyway, yep. onto some things we actually liked. We did get through a few things um, on Netflix this week. Uh, we started a series. There's only season one out at the moment. It's called Virgin River. It's like a really watered down medical woman. Um, you know the that used to play in the 70s yeah but it's really good it's based on like a 19 book series um if you're into kind of more what would you call it like how would you describe it a girl who's gone through some stuff and she uncovers what she went through in the first obviously episode like first few episodes and then she's there to help this elderly doctor who's just helping with his practice and that sort of thing because his wife has asked him to come in and then you get pulled into the lives of people in the town and we literally finished it in one day like i'm not saying it was fantastic but i was invested yeah and just how it changes from and the beginning because at the beginning she's just expect character growth her character it's very much it's a very chauvinistic sexist approach to her character and then it kind of evolves from there yeah so i'm like okay yeah, yeah. interesting yeah. we also watched don't fuck with cats um, um I, we want to put a massive content warning it's not a documentary about cats per se it's a true crime documentary yeah. it is very graphic both uh you know in both terms of animal abuse and also murder yeah uh you left to go to work half about yeah and it was enough for me to kind of go yeah i don't get scared by true crime and i after you left to go to work i actually paused it and made sure all the locks 
from house we're locked. It was it was disturbing to say the least, and it was one of the more you know I suppose mini documentary series where I was like, yeah, for me, I there there was parts where I was just like, are you kidding me? Um, It was very in your face in a sense, and a lot of people on Reddit and Twitter were were very much the show should comes with you know with trigger warnings because. There are a lot of, and we don't say trigger warning in a disrespectful way. We trigger mean warning. Actual medical. Yeah. yeah. Someone has actually gone through and actually pinpointed all the times that feature any Certain animal cruelty for you, people who. Yeah. So you can skip those parts yeah. because it is very much in your face. And then the bit that got me was when the um, the homicide detective. Had to, had to leave. had to stop and the way they described the crime scene it was just afterwards was terrible and I sort of just going on what I saw I looked at it in the the value of it's a game now there are people out there you know don't compare me with this particular set of serial killers and don't compare me to that I want to be better I want to be better so this person did this set of events and just became more and more disturbing so now they're known. Which is just... Um, um, you know, yeah. human, to be honest. Also, uh, we had the release of The Witcher, which yeah. we finished within three days of release. Yeah, so that was very much, you know, uh, yeah, a great sort of opportunity to see the live-action version as opposed to the, the game. game. And the interesting thing about this is because the series is based loose well i wouldn't say loosely i'll say very closely to the books they've tweaked certain aspects of it yeah. however um andre uh, Sapal- uh sapkowski uh the author has well they he, him and project red kind of had a falling out um with the game but the game now that they've started getting things back on track they're actually in working in collaboration with the author. So there's mm. going to be a new, apparently in the works, a, a new Witcher. So the Witcher 4 could potentially be coming out in the next five to ten years. <laughs> wow. But he is essentially uh, one of the, the lead kind of... Writers for the... Yeah. yeah. So they're going to go to him for... Um, Scripting. Yeah. And direction. Yeah. Story plot. So personally for me... I give it a good 9.5 out of 10. I give it a 7 out of 10 because there were parts to me where, yes, your first season is going to be quite slow, but it was, it seemed slightly disjointed. And I know at the end, like, get as you, it. as you get the jump and forth, back and forth, back and forth, you understand where the story yeah. is going and what it all means. But it would have been nice to just have, like, a, a timestamp. Yeah. Of where you were, because if you zoned out for literally five, not You'd even five it. minutes, like ten minutes, not even ten minutes, like a minute, um, you were like, wait, is this past, is this present, where yeah. are we? And the reason why they did that, apparently, was because in the book, it's told from different perspectives of different characters. And for me, personally, hearing from some people who couldn't follow it, um, when you actually apparently read the books a lot of the books have short stories in them so what they did was they took that upon the key 
sort of elements in each episode and they took the short stories out of the actual novels and then linked them so it's gonna have a lot there's a lot lot going on in the next few series and they've already greenlit season three yeah so season two hopefully soon then season three but henry cavill is there are a lot of fangirls about henry cavill and henry cavill's butt yeah well, not me per se. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving on, something we're a lot less impressed with was the fact that there were only five episodes of Rick and Morty season five. Why did they split it? They could have just put all ten at once. I don't know. Um, I wasn't a fan of this season. Oh, it's season four, not season five. Sorry. Uh, Rick and Morty season four. I didn't gel with some of these episodes like I did previous ones. You know what I mean? Maybe that was me just being butthurt about the fact that there were only five of them and I expected more from them. But the snake episode, that was funny. Yeah. That was hilarious. Good old time travel. Yeah. It's like Terminator meets All right, don't spoil it. It's not a spoiler. It's just, it's a great episode. Um, so now we're going to start You Season 2, which came out last night. I find it ironic that it's come out just after Christmas because then they could have put that intro and says, you know, all I want for Christmas is you. Oh, they did. Oh, God. The Netflix promotional, Facebook, uh, not Facebook, what do they call it? Instagram. Because they're, they're mean kings over at Netflix. And they did all that, so. That's hilarious. You're a little late to the party there. All right, no, I only have one story that I want to talk about in our weekly news wrap-up. And that's about the Little Sea Fire Brigade. Uh, so apparently, either on the 19th, the evening of the 19th or early, early morning on the 20th of December, thieves smashed their way into the fire station and they took their uh, field command vehicle or FCV and apparently it was a brand new four-wheel drive land cruiser which obviously was completely uh, built for them. So it was fitted with radios and all the communication Jeez. things that they needed because it's a coordination vehicle. So the idea is it jumps ahead of the fire yeah. and it tells the fire is which portions or where to go to spot treat the fire and so uh pretty much this vehicle so it's not brand new my error this vehicle what was really important in getting fire you know the black saturday that we had that vehicle actually went out got fires and brought them to safety so they wouldn't die too which is just ridiculous um so basically obviously they were smart and they had a tracking system but they disabled that as soon as they got to West Meadows. So because they had purchased it through brigade funds, which came through uh, donations from organisations, businesses, and people that just live within the Whittlesea Township, and that's what they bought it with. So it wasn't government because, you know, in Victoria we only give money to the MB, you know, Melbourne Fire Brigade because that's where the majority of our people live, you know? Yeah. Uh, especially because we're going to have a very difficult fire season and that's quite evident. Uh, what they did was they did have a uh, GoFundMe that they put up um, because insurance will cover the vehicle, but it won't give them the money for essentially all the equipment and that's what makes the vehicle. Yeah. So if you're driving around, it's a massive red Toyota. Uh, its number plate is, uh, well, they might have taken the plates off, but it's RCM636. If you see the vehicle, please call, oh shit, what are they? Um, Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 000 
or you can also contact admin at whittlecfa.com. They did run a GoFundMe and I was going to plug the link. However, from what I can tell, they've disabled the donations at the moment and they didn't specify why. So it was up for about 24 or so hours. The, actually, maybe a bit more than that. Um, but they had a GoFundMe link and at the time they had managed to raise $2,995 out of their $100,000 that they needed. Um, so I don't know. Our plan was to next time we're up there go to the actual station call ahead and pretty much make your donation there. yeah because um, i was going to say if anyone not that you have to but if anyone was kind of interested there we would have plugged um the link but i'm sorry it when i go to the site right now it says the organizer has disabled new donations to this fundraiser at the moment um and they haven't that all they've said is hopefully we can soon commence our fundraising again they haven't said any reason why the fundraiser had to be closed, but that's just real shit. It is. People are real actual assholes. And this is the not the season to be really messing around with emergency service uh, equipment and vehicles because, you know... We spoke last week about how New South is literally on fire. Yeah. You know, and the air quality there and just people don't give a shit, unfortunately. No, yeah, no, it's unacceptable on all accounts. Um, alright, so are we ready? Yeah. We're going to dive it. into a very long-awaited uh, sequel podcast, and this is Scientology Part 2. And before we go into this, I want to say that in no way, shape, or form are we disrespecting people who actually um, find solace in the religion, who are actual practicing Scientologists. We just have an issue with the top tier people yep uh who all kind of take we'll get into it later um some of this stuff is fact some of this stuff is presented as opinion um so i picked up a lot of information from like when we cover sea org i guess i should reference it i did use um the scientology's websites to get that information um there's sort of general information and I could get some book excerpts that were available on Google to read up about kind of like the last few years of L. Ron Hubbard um, and sort of the rise of Miscavige, ex-members speaking out. There's an actual book published that I'll talk about later. Their tax problems are generally what is known as published by um, papers like Business Insider, Wall Street and all that stuff. And conspiracies, obviously some of that... Um, Maybe opinion. I yeah. don't know. But I thought I just wanted to cover everything. I also sourced a lot of information from, like I said, the church's website and a Sunday Times article from 1987, which I can list for everyone um, as I get into later. Uh, so, But before I actually get started, I also want to say that I plan on buying the 10-book beginning set. I just want to set up a PO box first because the last thing I want is letters following me around for the rest of my life, like some people have posted they have received. Um, and what I'm going to do is, it's going to take some time to get through them because some of them are over 800 pages long. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's very much dry reading. Yeah. It's almost as though you're going through a... Psych textbook that is The wrong. results section of a yeah. chemistry 
journal article. So no disrespect to chemists because what you do is real yeah, science. It's no just disrespect. a yeah, it's just, just a, a comparison. Just a comparison. Um, that a lot of statistics, um, values. And look how much profit. Nonsense. nonsense. Not that I'm saying chemistry is built up on nonsense. But yeah, just this is nonsense. just gibberish. Um, so. Once I actually set up the way to receive them, it will take me a while to actually get them. And then it will take me a while to actually slowly work through them. So if you want a dedicated podcast to each book kind of review to break down, or if you just want like a 20-minute segment within a specific podcast, I can work that out for you. Just let me know. But yeah, I, I don't want to go into a store because especially the Melbourne store, apparently the new one in Ascot Vale, they are very... Like they hardly let you leave. Really? They like pin you around, and because of where the bookstore is, it's like within the middle of the the church area, and so you have to pass like seven or eight people, and they're like really thing. And I don't want to go in there and then give them my name and my address. This way, if I do it online, I will just give them a PO box because I saw some people who said that they've been receiving letters from them from like the 80, 1980s. And they just follow them are like handwritten letters from people all over the world who are allegedly Scientologists. Jeez. So that scares me. Um, yeah, that's... um. And I don't want them to... Like, I plan on using a fake name, if that makes sense. Yep, no, that makes sense. Um. So, yeah. All right. We're going to pick up <clears throat> where I left off last time, over a year ago. And that is at the Sea Org. So when you go to their official website, the official spiel is that the Sea Organization is a religious order for the Scientology religion and is composed of the singularity, singularly sorry, most dedicated Scientologists, individuals who have committed their lives to the volunteer service of their religion. The Sea Org is a fraternal religious order and is not incorporated. Members of the Sea Org are wholly responsible to the church to which they are assigned and are responsible, as are all other staff, to officers and directors of the church. Apparently it was established in 1967 and once operated from a number of ships and it was essentially uh, kind of founded to assist LRH with his advanced research operations to supervise the, church of, the church's organisations around the world. It's entrusted to the minister and the advanced services of Scientology it retains its traditional name, although today the majority of its members are based on land, which is interesting because we know he was all about Navy. So as soon as he died, his Navy isn't deployed as much anymore, right? Yep. However, they still wear maritime style uniforms and have ranks and ratings. That's, yeah. What do you do? So the Sea Organization Murder Vessel Free Winds is entirely staffed by Sea Org. They utilize uh, LRH's training materials that he developed in during the early days and apparently has the best safety and service record of any ship in the Caribbean. However, what that fails to mention is some stuff we're going to get into later in literally like five minutes, which was the measles outbreak, but that does not appear on their website. Don't know why. Because you know why? When you're a Scientologist, aren't you not supposed to get sick? You take your body to a higher order. Yeah, pretty much. But whatever. So because they're volunteers of the order, they work very long hours and live communally with housing, meals, uniforms, medical and dental care, transport and all expenses associated with their duties will be funded by the church. And they also receive an allowance to purchase personal items. 
because their other expenses are fully covered by the church. They participate in training and auditing during a portion of each day, but otherwise dedicate themselves to furthering the objectives of Scientology through their particular functions. They are there and at the forefront of spearheading the church's massive social mission, including, listen to this, the largest non-governmental drug education campaign. And I just want to tack on here. I know it's not about Sea Orc, but like I went down a deep duck. They actually have a YouTube platform, but it's not YouTube. It's called Scientology TV. Okay. Right? And I watched specifically the Melbourne. It was like a 50 minute, over 50 minute video. And I watched the, it's a documentary, believe it or not, about the Melbourne office, or the Melbourne church branch. And literally, the amount of people, workers, employees, church, Scientologists, whatever, volunteers, um, that work at that church, that say the church pulled them out of drugs, was immense. And it's just that... just like they went from one hardcore thing to another hardcore thing. Like, good on them for kicking the habit. Yeah, but, but... it's almost like they prey on people with addiction. Yeah. And if you've got how much of a sheep addictive person personality, I mean, for instance, as we discussed last time during this podcast on episode one, when I was younger, I went into one of these places purely because the draw card is science, science, Scientology. Okay, you think it's science, but then when you walk in, you realize. But the office has changed since yeah. then. It's now in this massive homestead in Ascot Vale. Um, so yeah. yeah. So earlier this year, the Sea Org was quarantined for a measles outbreak, um, and this is coming from an article I found on news.com. Authorities on the Dutch Caribbean island of Curaçao have declared 290 crew and passengers on board the Free Winds measles free, but have worn a question mark over 28 others. So Chief Epidemiologist Dr. Izzy Gerstenbluth said that 17 crew members and 11 passengers had to stay in isolation. Um, until a certain time when the 12 incubation days of the disease were over. Apparently, uh, they published more information about the free winds than Scientologists did. And so apparently the free winds is a 134-metre, nine-deck boat. It's the last surviving vessel from their original flotilla of religious retreats. And they published that the retreats are run by the church's most mysterious and dedicated branch, aka the Sea Org, and that members have to sign a billion-year contract and work 365 days a year for little or no wages. But they told us, oh, all our other expenses are covered and we give you an allowance. But they didn't specify what that allowance was, and other people who are ex-members have spoken about how bullshit that was. But I'm just telling you the two juxtapositioning of the facts that I was able to find. Um, so basically they acknowledge the free winds for its strict isolation protocol, which contained the illness to a single case and prevented it from spreading to others. And so I just went into this deep dive about a fear surrounding, uh, the Sea Org. And I came across this paper from the Sunday Times that was published on the 15th of November, 1987, like I said earlier, and like the main kind of title head here is Farce and Fear in Scientology's Private Navy. In the late 1960s, LIH was being handed by the press, intelligence service and governments 
To protect himself, he and his Church of Scientology left Britain to run the organisation from the freedom of the high seas, a.k.a. international waters. Yeah. His ships roam... That was me adding that in. His ships roam the Mediterranean in a bizarre search for buried treasure. On board, discipline was ruthless. In his final extract from the book Scientologists have tried to ban, Russell Miller trails Commodore Hubbard on his fantastic voyage. So it kind of goes through uh, history this news article uh, and kind of all that stuff so from what I can tell from about 1970 he being Hubbard uh, was surrounded by kids of the Sea Org members on this boat and they called it the Commodore's Messenger Association organization sorry the CMO Uh, listen to this they were mainly young girls dressed in hot pants and halter tops and they were responsible for running errands for him such as lighting his cigarettes Dressing him and relaying members to and commands to other members of the crew. His wife, Mary Sue, so I think uh, his second wife, um, or was that Mary Sue's third wife? Second wife? I can't remember. Um, was accompanied by all four of their children, but not Nibs, who had at that point defected Scientology in 1959. So all of the younger Hubbard's kids were all. In, in Sea Org. Jeez. And then I did some more digging and it was like a broken link, but when you find it from another web page, you can click it and access it, if that makes sense. So there was a Scientology Org slash FAQ, um, is it true bullshit? And it was, is it true that people in the Sea Org sign a billion year contract? And then they're like, don't answer it straight away, but they're like, the first Sea Organization members formulated a one billion year pledge to symbolize their eternal commitment to the religion and it is still signed by all members today it's a symbolic document so aka does that mean it's not legally binding which similar to vows of dedication in all other faiths and orders but i don't when i was christened they didn't make my parents sign a billion year contract for me but whatever so as to signify an individual's eternal commitment to the goals, purposes, and principles of the Scientology religion. But I thought it was about bettering them yeah. as people. And it was making people achieve the best version of themselves. But that's a different story. What's your take on that? A billion-year contract. Like, you can't even fathom a billion years. No. Essentially, what that's putting in place is a contract for which you will never get out of. That's interred servitude. That's essentially a billion a billion year contract, you are literally signing up for interred servitude. That is, in all, you know, in all sense of the word, bullshit. Like maybe they are into something. I, I don't know. But here's the thing that's really upsetting and really disturbing is they, I, you know, I sort of look at it and go, if you read a contract like that... Alarm bells. Alarm bells should be ringing. But that's the thing, they get them while they're kids. And the problem they being don't know is any better. they don't treat the kids any differently to... No, we're going to get into that eventually. But kids don't have that kind of understanding. Well, they so... split the kids from their parents, right? Oh, so they're vulnerable. And we'll discuss that when I get into... Oh, I'll cover it now quickly, all right? So... Oh, no, no, we can wait. It, it, we'll get the thing. So it's they just... split the kids from their parents, and if they're relatives of the high people, right, they put them into the high-paying high-profile jobs, and they put their kids at what they called the ranch, and they would make them do back-breaking labour. 
and the kids were like are they doing it because they know they're going to get free labor out of us are they doing it because they want to make us tired and then we don't have to cause as much issue or are they doing it because they want us to be trained to be military personnel or are they doing it for all three of those things yeah and the parents did not know what the kids were doing allegedly according to this one book that i read that i'll cover minimally later so it was all what looks to the outside looking in especially the high profile stories it it doesn't they don't know what people are going through it's really it's all disturbing. very hidden smoke and mirrors it is very much disturbing so after the sea org was founded uh during the 1970s LRH faced an increased number of legal threats, so the French had charged him uh, and the French church and uh, branches for customs and fraud violations in 1972. So he was advised that he was at risk of being extradited to France. So he left the Sea Org fleet temporarily at the end of 72, and he lived incognito in Queens, New York. And then he returned in September of 1973, so almost a year off when the extradition threat had pretty much gone away. So Scientology sources, and this was one book that I couldn't get access to because Google, um, said that he had carried out a Scientological study in and around New York City. Apparently yeah. that is in some of his publishings. We will have to wait until we actually get copies of the books to uh, confirm that, if that's okay with everyone. Yeah. They list all these references, right? And so you read these excerpts, but then when you actually go to find the document or the book, you can't. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. So I don't want to just read what someone has published. I want to actually show me where you actually took that phrase from. Yeah. Um, but it's so hard because it's just... And they reference this one book and no one sells it. But they're like, oh, it's on page 53. So you go to Google Books and you can't access page 53. You can't access anything past the table of contents. And it's like, that's bullshit because I would have, that would have provided so much information and from their point of view, in quotation marks. And then you go to buy it and it's a thousand US Australian dollars. And it's like, I'm sorry, I don't have that kind of money to burn. No, it's. But anyway, so his health had deteriorated significantly during this period because we all know he was a chain smoker. He had, at this point, and I'm not fat-shaming, but apparently he had gained excessive weight. He had a prominent growth on his forehead, and he was suffering from bursitis. So his mobility was very low. And he, uh, again, this is where I'd like to say, if you're allegedly signing up to be a Scientologist, they're supposed to take all these ailments away. Right? So he suffered from serious injuries in a motorcycle accident in 1973. He had a heart attack in 75, and he did take anticoagulant drugs for the next year, so I don't know if that was like warfarin or whatever, but there you no. go. Uh, so in September of 78, he had a pulmonary embolism. He fell into a coma, but he was able to uh, recover. So he went back and he sort of took a, a massive step back, but he was still involved in managing the church and Scientology and... He established at this point the very controversial uh, Rehabilitation Project Force in 74, and he issued a lot of policy and doctrinal bulletins. Uh, so from memory, what this was, if I can go to my other bank of uh, notes here. So basically, this was people who, who violated, because you know they're very militarised. Yeah. So this was their uh, 
jury system. Great. So if you violated expectations or policies, if you had hidden evil intentions, um, if you were doing low-quality work, or if you were deemed to be unproductive by their standards, you would go up to these people and you would essentially have to face a jury of your your peers in quotation marks. Um, Again, the Navy has that too, right? But that's a different story. However, the Sea Org's voyages decided to come to an end. So, again, they had a massive amount of ships. Um, The Apollo was banned from several Spanish ports, and it was expelled from the Curaco um, Bay in October of 1975. So they had to kind of like start getting rid of their assets. So the Sea Org came to be suspected of a CIA operation, (laughs) uh, which led to a riot in um, Funchal, Madeira, when the Apollo had docked there. Uh, so apparently at the time, Apollo Stars, who are a musical group founded by Hubbard and made up entirely of Sea Org members, was offering free on-peer concerts, right? Can you see where this is going? Yeah, I can. In an attempt to promote Scientology. And a riot had occurred at one of these, like, on-board concerts, right? So because all this shit was going on, he decided to relocate back to the US and uh, this is where they made a land base in of, for the Sea Org in Florida. And this is where the takeover of Clearwater began. Great. So the Scientology, Church of Scientology, attributes this decision uh, as having outgrown the ship's capacity. Right? So we're doing some dumb shit people are, you know. Yeah. we got to go, go far away. Uh, but it's too, it's too small for us. We're a big group of people. So in 70... Also, don't you need a permit to have other people on your boat and need, like, a certain amount of a license to carry a certain yeah, amount of people? Yeah, and plus, obviously, there's different regulations on different, different sized countries. boats, but you need a certain number of personnel per passenger, and then... Especially you, if you're doing on-board concerts, like, isn't that yeah. uh, public liability? Absolutely. Your public liability would be through the roof. But you think he's paying any of these bills? Anyway. No. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. So on the 5th of December of 1975, LRH and his wife, Mary Sue, that's right, she's the third wife, uh, moved into the condominium complex in nearby Dunedin. Uh, Their presence was meant to be closely guarded secret, but it was accidentally compromised a month later. So they immediately leave Dunedin and move to Georgetown, Washington, D.C. with a handful of aides and messengers. So, you know, you think you're Secret Service, but all right. But yep. he didn't take his wife with him. He left her there with the kids. Just so he ran, right? So six months later, there was another security alert in July of 1976. So he moves to another safe house in Culver City, California. So if you can picture the U.S. map, like mainland U.S. map in your head, he's literally like gone from Florida to Washington, D.C., and then literally three quarters across the other side of the country... To go to the LA, like a place near LA, right? Culver City is like 20, 30 minutes away from LA, from memory. Because a YouTuber I used to watch lived there. So he lived there for three months. And then he relocated uh, in October for the Olive Tree Ranch, which is near La Quinta. And here, during this time, his second son, Quinted, Quinton, committed suicide after this. Do, what do you think was the driving force behind that? The the pressure, or he just maybe it was a fact of he couldn't deal with all this subversion and just nah, game over. Look, at the end of the day, 
I can't imagine uh, what it must have been like. That's terrible. Uh, like, a lot of people speculated that his father was very pushy and you get that a lot with Miss Cavage as well and what he did to his family because they're the main family they're the first family essentially of the church yep. they have to uphold the standards and imagine that like your whole life you must think like do you think that at that point you kind of go this is all bullshit and I want out but there's no way I can get out and you legitimately see no other option to break away you can't. from that you know, like, imagine being that lost that the only way out that you can see is if you just take yourself away from the equation. Yeah. And that's heartbreaking. Very much so. And, you know, the fact that there is so much pressure on them, it's, yeah, it's not good. So apparently he was 22 years old. He was... Uh, his eldest son had already quit... Sorry, so his eldest, his older brother had already quit, right? And so he he was then chosen as a successor to lead the organisation. He was on board with his dad on Sea Org. He disagreed with his father's plans, even though he had reached the highest level of auditor training. He wanted to be a pilot. And then in 74, he said he wanted to be a dancer. And then soon after this, a friend found him in the midst of a suicide attempt. He, he survived, but then they shoved him in the Rehabilitation Project Force, which is where they, you know, judge, jury... An executioner. Their, ...their things. Former Scientologists had said that he became a homosexual, and that caused... How did he just become? But whatever, right? And this clearly caused him a great deal of personal torment because Scientology had classified them as sexual perverts. And that's not me saying that. That's absolutely disgusting and disrespectful and how fucking dare he, right? Uh, and that he was quite ill physically. Your dad's walking around with a horn on his fucking head. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's a fucking chain smoker, but you're the, you're the per you know, how dare they? So apparently it was because he wanted to discourage women who were interested in his father and in the Hubbards in general, and get them, protect them from the consequences of his father. He had a gentle demeanour and was not, nothing like his father. And, yeah, the police discovered him unconscious in his car in uh, tw on the 28th of October 1976 in Vegas without any identifying documents. His dad was furious at the news and he shouted, that stupid fucking kid, look what he's done to me. So, here's a question though. What if it was made to look as a suicide? What if other Sea Org members got rid of him? Would that be a conspiracy there? Yeah. Well, his dad was said to have gone downhill after the loss of... But what I wouldn't get is, if he's your successor... You know what I mean? I guess you could argue that... And again, this is opinion, not fact. And I hate saying that about the loss of someone's life, right? What if at that point he had miscavage and he was like, okay, my kids aren't going to do it. Let's... Here's someone who actually is, in quotation marks, dedicated. Yep. And let's promote them up the line. Because apparently from this point, 
um, he became increasingly paranoid and this is like really where he took a turn for the worse, being LRH. But at the end of the day, your kid has passed away. Show a little bit of mourning. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't know. So he becomes heavily involved in directing the Guardian's office, which was a legal bureau and intelligence agency within the church, right? They had their own little FBI happening. And he believed that Scientology was being attacked by an international Nazi conspiracy, which he termed the Tenyaka Memorial. Um, and he threw a network of drug companies, banks, and psychiatrists were... He was saying that these group of people were trying to take over the world. and uh, So then he started the Snow White program, and he directed the uh, Guardian's office to remove negative reports about Scientology from government files and to track down their sources. So that's what they do to this day. So if you publish something that is deemed negatively portrayed, Scientology, they allegedly contact you. If you live in the US, they hunt you down. Jeez. And they like film you. Yeah, and and they chase you around. And they, you know, put all this slander out and yeah, defamatory much. Uh, documentation, posters, YouTube, and these people who come out and get in your face. They have those camcorders and they will just go you and then they use that stuff for their own propaganda yeah. yeah so these people that he had made his own little fbi they infiltrated so they took positions at uh, government organizations such as the u.s department of justice and the irs right and they also burglarized some of these departments too it's a joke. Two of them are caught in the DC quarters of the IRS, where the FBI carried out simultaneous raids on the GEO office in LA and Washington on the 7th of July, 1977. They retrieved wiretap equipment, burglary tools, and 90,000 pages of incriminating documents. He was not, being Hubbard, was not prosecuted himself, but he was labelled an unindicted co-conspirator. His wife, Mary Sue, was indicted and subsequently convicted of conspiracy, where she was sent to federal prison along with 10 other Scientologists. Jeez. So, yeah. Uh, and then it just continues to go... And this the steam train starts to really, really roll. So, in February of 78, we know that the French court were looking to charge him, but then they convicted, convicted him in substantia for obtaining money under false pretenses. So he was sentenced to four years in prison, which is, at then, it was like, a, I think it's like 35,000, it's francs, right? Yep. Uh, 35,000 francs, which was uh, 7,000 US at the time, um, fine. But in today's money, that's 26,889 bucks. So I don't know about you, but I don't have access to that kind of money. There's a car. Yeah. So he went into hiding in April of 79. And he moved to an apartment in Hamlet, California, where his only contact with the outside world was 10 trusted messengers. And can we talk about how terrorists do that? Yeah, they do. He cut contact with everyone else, even his wife, and he saw her for the last time in August of 1979. So his wife has literally gone to prison for him, right? She's committed a federal offense, treason to the American government. Yeah. Right? For him. And he doesn't even have the gall to go visit her. 
So he also uh, was about to be indicted for his role in Operation Freakout, which was the guiding officer's campaign against New York journalist Paulette Cooper, because she was publishing some, you know, the guts, essentially, the gutty bits of what Scientology was doing and what was happening. Yeah. And so they tried to smear her. And then in February of uh, 1980, he disappeared into deep cover in the company of two trusted messengers, Pat and Ann Broker. So then, for the first few years of the 80s, he and the brokers were constantly moving. So they toured the Pacific Northwest in their RV. They lived for some apartments in Newport Beach in LA. They uh, he used this time to write his new science fiction works. Right? Yeah. So not Scientology anymore, or Scientology books. Yeah. He's putting out some sci-fi shit. And this is Battlefield Earth and Mission Earth, um, which is a 10-volume series published between 85 and 87. They received mixed responses. They were treated derisively by most critics, but greatly admired by others. I wonder who the others were, but yeah. that's a different story. He apparently wrote and composed music for three albums, which were, are still produced to this day by the church. The book Soundtrack of Space Jazz was released in 1982, uh, and Mission Earth and The Road to Freedom were published posthumously in 86. And also, too, can I just say oh, back course, onto Battlefield Earth, it's probably one of the worst movies. So that's based on his work? Yes, Battlefield Earth is an adaptation of that book because, as we know, John Travolta is a Scientologist and... In Are the, you joking? No, nah, that's serious. Battlefield Earth came out in 2000. I did not know this. No, I think from memory it's got like a... Oh my God, they even produced it. Yeah. It's, it's so bad. It is so bad and it's essentially a treatise to what not to do in a movie. It is that bad. It is terrible. It's also got Forrest Whitaker in it. It's Kurt. It is just... Oh my God, even his wife... Yeah, it is that no, no, bad. No, no, uh, Kelly Preston, whose wife is she? Um, Isn't she, um, she, 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 Kevin Gage, and then John Travolta. Yeah, she's John Travolta's wife. You poor woman, like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's, um. The more you know. It, it's bad. It is so bad. Yeah, it's got 3% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> It is. jeez. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. The rights were sold by the Church of Scientology's in-house literary agency, Author Services, to Salem Productions of LA. They wanted to make two films, $15 million each. It's... So, basically, he got Scientologists... He got film producers and shit into Scientology and then tried to get them to make a movie about Scientology. Except his works, which were allegedly sci-fi. It's just... Wow. It's, it's just so bad. Um, it's so bad that... Uh, I don't know. It's... Have you seen Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? No, I have not. <laughs> Essentially, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes would be a masterpiece in comparison to this drivel. It is so bad. It is hilariously bad. 
I would rather sit out the front of the house and stare at the letterbox for 12 hours than... It's bad. Oh, the things you know, the things you find out. But apparently it's got a massive following. It's yeah, got, who? Who do you think follows it's got it? It's cult status. Who do you think follows it? Sea Org. <laughs> so, in his absence, members of Sea Org staged a takeover of this church and purged many veteran Scientologists. A younger messenger, David Miscavige, he became the de facto leader. So his wife, who is in prison, was forced to resign her position and their daughter, Suzette, became Miscavige's personal maid. Jeez. So imagine if they had continued and they had somehow wound a marriage yeah. there, right? So for the last two years of his life, Ally H lived in luxury blue word, uh, luxury bluebird murder home home in Whispering Winds, which is a 160-acre ranch near Creston, California. So he's in deep hiding there because everything is coming down like a ton of bricks. People are still looking for him because of all of these legal proceedings. So he's writing and researching, according to a spokesperson. He pursued photography. He was still like writing music. He was overseeing construction and he checked on his animals. He repeatedly redesigned the property and spent millions of dollars remodeling the ranch house, even though nobody lived in it. He built a quarter mile horse racing track with an observation tower, which was never used. He was involved in managing the church uh, secretly through delivered orders by his closest people. And he continued to receive large amounts of money which Forbes was a, Forbes magazine estimated to at least $20 million, which was gathered in his name in 1982. So can you imagine the inflation of what $20 million would be today? Ridiculous amounts. So in September of 85, the IRS knocked on the church's door and said that he was considering inducting, indicting him sorry, for tax fraud. So he is, his health is continually going downhill. He's now diagnosed with chronic pancreatitis. Um, he suffered a stroke while living in Whispering Wings on the 17th of January, 1986. And he later died a week later. He later died a week later. And here's also push. another thing. I feel as though David Miscavige, he's a pretty scary individual. Can we get to that in about five minutes? But just in regards to everything that's going on here, it was a case of... The church is is seeing Elrond start to lose his marbles, so essentially, no, we can't be having that. No, but they they listened to what he said till the day he died. Yeah, but I, I reckon there were strings being pulled. Oh, of course, but you have to think about it. If your own family is killing themselves to get out of your bullshit, what's left for the rest of your followers? And you can tell that the senior members they kicked out of Scientology were people who were coming to terms with the fact that this is all a sham. This is all a lie. Yeah. And it was only going to get worse from here. So he had his body cremated and his ashes scattered at sea. Why didn't they throw him in a volcano if he loves volcanoes so much? But that was a different story. So Scientology leaders announced that his body had become an impediment to his work. And they started to tell the children at the ranch that he dropped his body. Oh. Right? And he had to continue his research on another planet. He learned how to do it without a body. Right. So he body dropped, right? So his wife's still around, all of his children except for Quinton. He had a trust fund that he had set aside for Mary Sue and uh, 
their remaining children, as well as um, his the, the daughter he had with his first wife, Polly. He had disinherited all other children. Uh, Nips, he had become estranged, and he changed his name to Ronald DeWolf. And in 82, he sued unsuccessfully for control of his father's estate. Uh, Alexis Valerie, who was his husband, who was Hubbard's daughter with, by his second wife, she'd attempted to contact her father sometime during 71, but uh, she was rebuffed by the claim that her father was, a, was Jack Parsons rather than Hubbard, so he lied to her, and he still continued talking shit, saying that her mother was involved in the Nazis during the war. However, both kids uh, settled uh, out of court later on, in 2001, Diana and Suzette were reported to still be church members. Arthur had left to become an artist, and his great-grandson to Nibs, uh, Jamie DeWolf, is a slam poet, and apparently he's really, really popular. So good on him. Yeah. Uh, so the copyright of his works and his state holdings and wealth were willed to the church itself. In a bulletin dated the 5th of May 1980, he told his followers to preserve his teachings until an eventual, please tell me you're buckled in, until an eventual reincarnation when he would return, not as a religious leader, but as a political one. Okay, then. So again, religion doesn't have much power. Let's go for office. Yeah. Yeah, because could you imagine what would happen if, you know... If they don't see him? Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine that? As a, imagine Dave Miscavige as a senator, as a US senator. No, why be senator when no, you be president, man? But could you imagine? But you know everyone would, all the Scientologists would move to Florida. Yeah. And he'd be a senator for Florida. Yeah. And they would literally freak all of Florida out. Obviously, Florida is a redneck state, so they can send some bullshit when they see it. Yeah. Uh, but you'd hope that... But what do you do? That, that's just what alarmed me, right? So you can tell all the time it was about more and more power. So then pretty much they start printing uh, all of his books on steel tablets, which they stored in titanium containers, and they buried them in the Tremina base, uh, which is a vault under a mountain near Tremina, New Mexico, on top of which they put the Church of Spiro Technology, which is a sister organisation of the church. Uh, and they put that logo on there, but it has since been bulldozed. Um, sorry, they bulldozed it in such a way that it's visible from space, allegedly. Apparently, Hubbard, and it was awarded posthumously, holds Guinness World Record for the most published author with 1,084 works. And most translated book, uh, which was The Way to Happiness, and it's in 70 languages. He holds the record for most audiobooks, and last publication was in April of 2009, where he had 185. According to Galaxy Press, uh, Battlefield Earth sold over 6 million copies, and Mission Earth a further 7. With each of its 10 volumes becoming uh, New York Times bestsellers on their release, however... The LA Times reported that in 1990, his followers had been buying large numbers of the books, reissuing them to stores to boost sales figures. So basically, they would buy back the books. Okay. So they were in Scientologists' hands. So they were fudging the list. Jeez. So like, say that I'm an author, right? 
and I want to be on the New York Times bestseller list and you say yeah sure Steph no worries I'll buy a hundred thousand copies but then I give them back to you and again and again and again right well so that's uh, Scientologists had written their desire to make him the most acclaimed and widely known author of all time and they pretty much they were scared that they were going to forget him, as far as I can tell. So, posthumously, the LA City Council named a part of the street close to the headquarters of Scientology in 96 as, uh, in recognition of him. In 2011, West Valley City Council declared March 13 as L. Ron Hubbard's Centennial Day. In April of... So this is still happening, right? So how much money is Scientology paying them to do all this stuff? Right? In April of 2016, the New Jersey State Board of Education approved his birthday as one of its religious holidays. So that scares me. Also, can I throw something in that's rather scary, just in light of what we were discussing just before about potentially someone from Scientology getting into the US Senate? Um, There was an actual uh, member of Scientology by the name of David Jolly. Um, he was in the U.S. House of Representatives from Florida's 13th District. Um, essentially, he got in and everything, and back in April 2016, uh, Jolly's United States Senate campaign spokesperson, Sarah Bascom, um, basically stated that there was a campaign that edited his Wikipedia page to remove all references of Scientology. Um, and his lobbying activities. So essentially because it presented a public negative narrative against him and also essentially there was propaganda and slander and all that sort of stuff. And essentially, uh, Jolly put it through as a careless staff mistake. So essentially, um, he stood by his record and wanted the public to be fully informed and everything. So, uh, yeah. But you know staff's all made up of Scientologists, right? Potentially. So obviously he you know, is not part of it anymore. Um, but it's just scary to think that, say, some people like, obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on that we wouldn't have a clue of. Um, but I see that and kind of go, it is scary. Like, what is going on behind the scenes? Um, and essentially, it's, it's funny, because since him leaving office, um, Jolly is a prominent republic critic of Donald Trump and essentially in September of 2018 Jolly and his wife removed themselves from the Republican Party well maybe they weren't even Scientologists maybe that he was I don't want to say that like, yeah, this it's, is just an opinion piece this yeah. is just this is not fact this is me just um, talking shit out of my ass yeah. what if he wasn't a Scientologist what if they approached him because he lived in the area potentially uh, yes. Clearwater and he they approached him and were like look you know we hold the most amount of um, residents we're the biggest religion in your district and you know we will hold your best interests if you hold ours yep. and you know maybe he just went to the church and bought a few books to placate them we don't know maybe he's a very nice guy he could be we don't know so essentially it's, I think people would be trying to get the foot in the door because the, 
I suppose the whole goal of a pyramid scheme is to get more people into the chain. Yeah. So, but if you get a senator in there, they're going to be high tier. Exactly. So right? they could. You're not going to make them pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. You're going to promote, push promote them yeah. straight away. So they don't hound celebrities like they do no. common folk. Like if I went there and said that I was interested. No. So essentially, you know that if the the upper echelon of the society is starting to fall. You need to gain ground, and you need to show that the you know the society is strong. Mm. The scam is Fake. essentially being you know Driven. pushed. Yeah. The drive, because once you lose the drive, there's nothing left. You don't have traction anymore. Yeah. So apparently, in 2004, the church claimed that they had eight million followers worldwide. However, religious scholar J. Gordon Melton says that this is an overestimate because they count Scientologists as people who have merely bought a book. So, for example, if I rocked up to the Melbourne office later on this afternoon, purchased the 10-book series, they would then say that I'm a Scientologist and count me as a follower. Yeah. Even though I ain't there. But that's it. So the uh, University of New York's American Religious Identification Survey found that by 2009... Only 25,000 Americans identified as Scientologists, but they're pushing that millions of Americans are Scientologists, right? Uh, so to this day, he still maintains, he being covered, his presence still pervades Scientology. They maintain an office reserved for him with a desk, chair, writing equipment ready to be used. Uh, he was the only source for the religion and he has no successor, is what Ronnie L. D. Cliver uh, noted, and he's referred to simply as the source within Scientology and the theological acceptability of any Scientology-related activity, uh, and how close it is to his doctrines. So his name and signature are official trademarks of the Religious Technology Center, and that was established in '82 to control and oversee the use of his works. Um, and that actually does go on to extend deeper. For example, they made a very complex corporate hierarchy um, to make sure that his writings were being published in such a way and you think I'm talking shit like no the church made their own and to this day and I watched the documentary about it right literally another hour and a half of my time gone down I was anyway they built the most state-of-the-art publication facility to this day it's called Bridge Road Publications. Okay. I think it's a bridge or bridge publication, something like that. Um, shit, I, I, I swear to you, I watch this movie. Uh, Scientology Publication House. Which you sort of think there's something that needs to be controlled to produce all the material, and there'd be people that are outside bridge the community that would be, you know, biased. You want bias? You don't want bias. Well, they, Which is it? They print everything allegedly unalterated, right? The way they print, the troubles, for example, they wanted to have this very high-quality high um, printer, black and white laser printer. But what they found was that it was dehydrating the paper, the paper, which was causing the paper to curl. So then they got Xeron to purpose-build a humidifying chamber. Okay. Right? So even though the laser printer dehydrated, as soon as it came out, the paper was rehydrated, right? And then the colours that they have selected for the book covers yep. and pictures, 
they are the only people, allegedly, I don't know how factual that is, but they are the only people that use that specific tone in colour. Right? Yeah. So then they went to Canon and they said, Canon, we need this particular shade of, you know how you have your three primary yeah. colours to print? We need this particular shade of um, to purposefully mix this colour for us. Right? And then their distribution facility... Um, so they print their books, they print their audio books and copy their audio books onto CDs. Yeah. And then say that I put in, say that I was part of a church or whatever, right? And I purpose built, they have on hand 50,000 copies of every book, every audio book in any language at any given time in storage, right? And the computer knows when that number has been cut down. So it would automatically send that to the print feed. If paper is low, and low to them is 2.5 million pages, the printer will order itself more paper. When they have 10 bottles of ink left, the printer will order itself more ink. Yep. If only, you know, cheeseburgers work like that. And you can't judge how accurate is them saying whether the people that do it, but just watching the okay, all right. I'm not saying so. I'm a Scientologist. I'm just saying some stuff that I found out. Um. So basically, that's pretty much LRH, right? So now we're going to dive into the what I'm calling the rise of Miss Cabbage. Yep. So after his body drops. The reins of Scientology were handed to this young guy called David Miscavige. And this dude was born on the 30th of April, 1960. And he's the current leader of the church. Uh, his official title is chairman of the board of the Religious Technology Centre. And which is, as we said, the people that own everything that forms Dianetics and Scientology. He's a deputy to the church founder, LRH. Because remember, he was a Commodore's messenger when he was a teenager. He rose to the leadership position by the early 80s, and he was named chairman in 87. He, The official church biographies describe him as the ecclesiastical leader of the Scientology religion. And since he assumed leadership, there have been a number of allegations made against him, such as forced separation of family members, coercive fundraising practices, harassment of journalists and church critics, Humiliation of church staff members, and this includes physical assaults carried out by Miscavige himself. Uh, however, he and his spokespeople deny the majority of these claims, criticising the credibility of people who lodge the claims. He was born in Bristol Township of Bucks County, Pennsylvania, which is... Uh, he was born to a Roman Catholic Polish Italian family. His mother was also his father was also named Ron, and his mother was called Loretta, and he had a twin sister Denise, and they were raised in uh, Willingboro Township, New Jersey. As a kid, he liked baseball and football, and he suffered from asthma and allergies. Um, this is where I made a joke saying, "Oh, I wonder if genetics and Scientology cured him." <laughs> well, apparently, that's what he said later on in life that Dianetics and Scientology cured his asthma and severe allergies. Right. So his father was quite interested in Scientology, so he sent his kid 
to see Scientologist. And according to he and his dad, a 45-minute dynamic session cured him of his ailments. Hmm. Yeah. No. So they joined the church in 71, and they moved to its headquarters in St. Hill Manor in England. Whoop, whoop. By the age of 12, he was conducting auditing sessions. And keep in mind, if this was anyone who wasn't favoured by the current executive heads, right? You would have to take literal decades to be trained to be any one of those people, to yep. be an auditor, right? But, you know, we'll just fast-pace the other people. So he's conducting auditing sessions. He uh, had his own training to train auditors. He was remembered by the well, they call him they called him I should say a twelve year old prodigy, and because he'd become the youngest professional Scientology auditor, he and his family returned to Philadelphia within a few years, and he attended high school at Marpin Newtown, and on his sixteenth birthday in seventy six, he left high school with his father's permission to move to Clearwater, Florida, where he enlisted himself in the Sea Org, and uh, during this his early jobs were. Delivering telexes. And what is a telex? I don't know. He did groundskeeping, food service, and took photos for brochures. He then joined the uh, Commodore's Messenger organization, and he, where he ran his uh, Hubbard's errands pretty much. But as they grew up, uh, Hubbard was able to increase their influence because now they're grown men. So when Hubbard died, he and there had, before he had died, I should say, um, he pretty much told everyone that. He was going to take over. Well, Hubbard had told everyone that Miss Cavage was going to take over. So when he had eventually body dropped, Miss Cavage was a person who announced the death to Scientologists at the Hollywood uh, Palladium. And this video is actually out. Like, you can watch this on YouTube. Wow. Um, so this is when they had pretty much circulated the order from um, pretty much that they were promoting the people that helped him. So, you know, the people, the couple that ran around cross-country with him to make sure he was okay, Pat and whatever the fuck her name was, Broker, um, they got promoted to the new rank of loyal officer, making them the highest-ranking members. However, he did not like this, and he asserted that the order had been forged. Yeah. Right? So after the death and all this shit was going on, he assumed position as the head of the Scientology organization. To this day, he holds the rank of captain, which is the highest ranking member of the Sea Org. Um, so time goes on, and he's obviously the head. But in 1991, he and Marty Rathburn visit the IRS headquarters in Washington because they arranged a meeting with Commissioner, Commissioner Fred T. Goldberg, Jr., because for two decades, the IRS had refused to recognise Scientology as a non-profit charitable organisation, which uh, is granted to establish religious organisations, right? So they don't have to pay taxes. They're tax exempt. So before this meeting, Scientology had filed more than 50 lawsuits against the IRS. And according to the New York Times, Scientology's lawyers hired private investigators to dig into the private lives of the IRS officials who were writing these indictments and conducted surveillance operations to uncover potential vulnerabilities and had broken in, and that's why they sent people in, because they wanted to take conference uh, documents. And then they read them to the church officials and created phony news uh, so that that way they would pretty much silence the critics of the church. 
And they, essentially, the church had funded all of this bullshit, right? So after this meeting, Miscavige says, you know what? You exempt us and I'll stop right, okay. the slander. Right? So this led to a two-year negotiating process where IRS tax analysts were ordered to ignore uh, all these issues, which had been resolved prior to the review. And ultimately, they were granted recognition as a non-profit religious organization or charitable organization in the US, in the US alone, right? So they are then tax exempt. Uh, so <sighs> I just I don't understand it. So then they made a real show of this and they announced the settlement he gathered 10,000 members of Scientology in the LA Sports Arena. And this is also on YouTube. And they went on and he addressed them for two and a half hours and said that the war was over. Okay. They clapped after his speech for 10 minutes. Which is kind of funny because... That's what Hubbard did. See, it makes me think, because would that also mean why Tom Cruise was in War of the Worlds? Well, he and... They're at war. He and Thingy are best buds, yeah. apparently. They actually had... Um, they would hold beauty pageants to see who would be Tom Cruise's next girlfriend. Like, they had to go through the church, mm. because a divorce, again, after Nicole Kidman, would not look good on the church. So they... We'll get into that, but okay. So, he's, uh, he works primarily from Gold Base, which is Scientology's uh, most expensive base near Hamlet, California. They refer to him as Chairman of the Board, with COM. Uh, apparently, his biography and speeches are second only to Hubbard in dominating the official Scientology website. He's acknowledged as the ultimate ecclesial authority regarding the standard and pure application of LRH's religious theories. He portrays himself as a servant of Hubbard's message, not an agent in his own right. His official website uh, says that he's Hubbard's most trusted friend. That's why he got rid of the couple that were cross-country backpacking with him, right? Yep. He uses the church publications as well as professionally produced videos of gala events where he acts as the master of ceremonies to communicate with Scientologists around the world. His primary task is to preserve, maintain, and protect the Scientology religion. And so this is pretty much like it goes on and on. And he got his own family into the seat, like into the church, into high paying, like high power positions. So he got his eldest brother. Uh, Ronald Miscavige Jr. to serve as an executive in the Sea Org for a while. But this guy ended up leaving the church in 2000. His twin sister, Denise, and... Oh, my God. Uh, she was hired by major Scientology donor, Brian Zwan, who was the top executive for Clearwater. Uh, and she was then linked to an accounting scandal. But his eldest brother's son, sorry, daughter, and her name was Jenna Miscavige-Hill, and she was in, she's obviously David's niece. She remained in Sea Org to 2005, and I read her book, let me tell you. And she's one of the most outspoken critics of Scientology, but for some reason, less people talk about her than they do Leah Remini, because she's more high profile, I guess you could say. 
but she's published a book and her book is called Beyond Belief, My Secret Life Inside Scientology and My Harrowing Escape. Uh, so, like, if your own family are trying to break out what's left yeah, for the not, rest of the world, right? Uh, so, as I said, he's a best friend to Tom Cruise. He served as the best man... Uh, he served as best man at the his wedding to Katie Holmes. Okay. So, uh, and also, he's a firearms enthusiast. Wow. An American who is in the firearms enthusiast. In Florida, right? But what are we going to do? So, this is where shit... Like, not only is he assaulting members, but... There was also this thing, and Leah Remini was really pioneering in this, and this was the disappearance or the public hiding of his wife, Shelley. Right? So, in uh, at some time, I don't think anyone really knows the time, but he married fellow Sea Org member Michelle Diane, or Shelley Miscavige. And she has not been seen in public since 2007. Just vanished completely. She uh, she allegedly disappeared from Gold Base shortly after she filled several job vacancies without her husband's permission. So in July of 2012, people went to the press speculating on her whereabouts. Lawyers who said they represented uh, Shelley informed two UK newspapers that she is not missing and she devotes her time to the work of Scientology. In 2013, the LA Times reported that based on anonymous sources from the LAPD, that they had closed their investigation uh, because Leah Remini had actually filed a missing persons report. Okay, so... Because she, no one had been able to locate and um, speak to her. However, when they were contacted, the LAPD declined to answer any questions about the details of the report. However, it's former sealed members, so people that have been brutally assaulted and then left the church have said that she's being guarded at a church facility on Gilman Springs Road in San Gentino, California. Jeez. Uh, so I found this this article and it's published by the Daily Mail so I don't know how reputable this paper is. Probably not very. Uh, but it's called Challenge Cabbage Dragged Me Men. Sorry, what the fuck? I can't even remember. Let me just follow the link. Lucky I linked it for myself. Distraught Sally Miscavige was dragged off by unidentified men after her abusive husband removed her from his office, claims her assistant, as she sues the Church of Scientology for kidnapping. Alright? So, this woman, she was formerly employed as an assistant to the Miscavige's, so both David and his wife Shelley. She's suing the church for damages. Um, but she's been identified as Jane Doe because she doesn't want to come forward because obviously they'll attack her. But I bet you everyone in the church knows who she is anyway. Right? She listed 14 causes of action, and that included false imprisonment, kidnapping, libel, slander, human trafficking, and negligence. Uh, she apparently appeared in the Leah Rimina series um, and because she escaped by hiding in a car trunk. She said that she saw Shelley on the day she was believed to have gone missing in 2006, even though Scientology has denied she is missing. She witnessed a dark, colour-tinted window um, car pull up to the main building, at which point unidentified men dragged Shelley out. And she Jeez. said that she Shelley had not been seen in public since then, 
and no one has seen her in the 10 years since she remained with the organisation. But allegedly the police spoke to her. But they didn't say anything after that. Uh, to get the pretty much case closed to say, look, I'm not missing, this is me. Um, but she just left public life and that was the thing. Yep. I don't know. I hope she's not. I hope she's okay. But what do you do? So, we've already spoken about Jenna and her book. Um, I really wanted to highlight the things, and I took some information from her book, because when people talk about coming forward, I feel like they always mention Leah and other celebrities. However, she is a prominent family member. Like, she had contact with Shelley. And the thing she said that Shelley did, like, Shelley wasn't exactly an angel either. Yeah, that's just weird. So, um, obviously there's a Leah Remini series um, where she really wants to expose the church and get it shut down. So, if you want more information, I would definitely recommend the book and then the Leah Remini series because I feel like someone who's closer to the T yeah. would know more about it. If your own family is going through some shit, what's left exactly. for the rest of the thing. But that's just my personal opinion. Um, you do with that with what you will. So, when I wanted to investigate the church's holdings and properties, there are so many articles um, that list how much they're worth, that give a number as to how many properties they have, but they don't really, li- like, they don't provide a list, if that makes sense, of yeah. how many of what those hundreds of properties are. So, what I can tell, um, the major ones are Gold Base and all the properties that they own within Tampa, Florida. So, the church owns approximately 12 million square feet of property with Hollywood at the centre and 26 um, properties worth 400 million US dollars. So, in Clearwater, Florida alone, where their spiritual headquarters are, they own 68 parcels of land, which is worth approximately 180 million bucks. They, for example, this is what they did with the Melbourne building. They uh, buy churches that are historical landmarks internationally yeah um and they actually pay so they're like oh look we'll give you the money to restore it because it's a heritage building and it has to be done a specific way if you give it to us okay then to use right and we'll buy it so they also own a 500 acre compound in southern california as well as like we said uh the free winds and then this paper also said that it was a 60 foot 64,000 square foot medieval style africa that um, this uh, ch- this compound, right? And they also have a resort in South Africa, which I wasn't able to find too much information. They own the 1927 hotel Chateau Lisi, uh, which they remodeled as a celebrity center international. They own the Christie Hotel on Hollywood Boulevard, which is now the church's information center. And they also own a community center in South LA, which is a 1930s Art Deco building as well as the Braley Building in Pasadena, which is now a church. Um, so, you know, you do with it what you will. In 2016, they opened a Scientology Media Productions studio that they had purchased for $42 million. So they're not like... They're flush with cash. It's all you know, about the money. With this tax-free status. I also read this article from uh, Business Insider, 
and it's called the Church of Scientology and its members have reportedly spent $103 million buying up a huge chunk of Florida City. So this is that area that we were talking about. Yep. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because they had a particular quote. And you tell me how sketched this sounds. There is nothing unnatural about Scientologists wanting to live in the same city that houses the international spiritual headquarters of their church, Scientology attorney Gary Stoder told the Tampa, Tampa Bay Times. That is so sketchy. So they're buying out the whole town. Yeah. Right? Control. Force everyone out. Make it their own. And then other shit comes with that. Like, once they own the whole town, then they have the ability to take over city council. Yes. And once you take over a, a council, you can start putting in legislation. And then you can have an assembly. Yes. Right. And the next step up from there is the House of Reps. Yeah. And the next step up from there, because that, imagine if they got large enough that they needed a representative in the House of Reps, right? And imagine if then they got large enough that they then needed that their own senator. Yeah, it's completely wrong. Right. So there's nothing unnatural. It's like, yes, you're going to live in the city, but like, and apparently they're very cult-like. And actual people who have lived in the city who are not members of the church, like, they creep people out. And people go there, and there are so many vlogs of people filming them, which you shouldn't do because, like, you don't want... If you wouldn't like... If if they filmed you, you'd be pretty pissed off about it, let alone you, you know, stoking the fire and filming them. Yeah. But it's just insane. Um... So I found this other paper by Market Watch uh, about how they pretty much spent millions of dollars to try and take control of this area, and it's just it—it's so like it's smart when you think about it. Bottom line, that is actually a really clever way to go about things. Scary, but when you got money to burn, like what else do you do? Yeah, it's. It's something where you just kind of go, okay, well, I can essentially do what I want because if you have that much money, you are reducing the chances of, I suppose, slowing that. Yeah, exactly. So another reason why I wanted to build up Gold Base, and this is brought up in any documentary series, Crushing Scientology, um, is the existence of this place called The Hole. Yeah. And... um, it's believed to be on gold base uh, to the point where, if you want to look at some images, I know that it's sketch, but go to the Wikipedia page for gold base, just to this portion of what I'm speaking to you about, right? So, because the picture, all the pictures that I'm going to describe are right there. So, this property is surrounded by Scientologists, and they film 24-7. So yep. if I'm just a casual person walking my dog past their compound, they're going to film me and my dog. Yeah. Right? And they're going to harass me and my dog. The, they have also constructed this thing called an ultra barrier. And this is bladed fences that to me look like they're pointing out 45 degree angles. Yeah. And these are like, this is some sketchy shit. Looking at this, like that, that'd cut you the F up. Right? So you can also go to Business Insider and they've... So someone, essentially, before drones became as scary to fly as what they now are, someone took a drone and flew over Gold Base. 
right? Yeah. And then they took the footage, they took a screenshot, and then what they did was they matched it up with what all the the celebrities and people who had actually been in the hole, yep. where they described the hole was, they matched that up with the picture. So I've got it in our show notes. It will also be in the uh, links, like if you search it. Yeah. They actually circled it with an arrow, the hole. Like they identified where it was. So this place is described as a detention centre for high-ranking members who have displeased David. Um, and you can get shoved in there for not answering a question, having an inappropriate facial expression, falling asleep for being awake for 48 hours straight. If you do anything they do not like, you're going to be shoved down this hole. Jeez. So it's very much a case of do exactly as you're told, when you're told, how you're told. Yep. So this dude, Mike Rinder, said that he was there with 100 other people. They were forced to eat slop. They weren't able to come and go. The doors had bars on them, and the windows also had bars on them. There was a guard at the door who was posted for 24 hours a day. So apparently David likes to visit this place. And again, this is not fact. Yeah. But apparently David goes there. Miscavige, that is. And he actually does the embarrassing and torturous punishments himself. Jeez. So in the Going Clear documentary, um, people say that they're forced to play a game of musical chairs where the last person sitting gets to stay in Scientology. The others are kicked out, not allowed to see or speak to family members who are obviously still Scientologists again. Okay. Uh, so during <coughs> this game, they brutally bash each other yeah. to make sure they get a chair. Because if you get kicked out of Scientology, you can't talk to your family again. That's... So if it was me, right, playing the chair game, my husband... And my kids would still be in the church. And unless they left, I would never be able to see or speak to them again. Wow. That's... Right? So you're bashing people to be able to sit your ass on a chair to play the next round. That's really, really bad. Right? Uh, one man was allegedly forced to stand under a very, very strong aircon uh, while water was poured on him. Another woman, and this is where it gets completely fucked. Uh, she was... Uh, she was beaten until she confessed she was a lesbian and another member was seen to have to lick a bathroom floor for half an hour jeez there was constant pressure that they had to convince their sins essentially against David uh, sorry to David I should say and if an executive did something he didn't like they would be sent there in 2009 the FBI investigated Scientology because of claims of human trafficking. Um, and then, so, two Scientologists were pretty much allegedly seen being doing forced labour on the church grounds, so, like, at this base. And the... So, the people that were there to do the investigation saw it happening, but the judge ruled in favour of Scientology in the case because of the First Amendment protection for religions and their practices, among other things. So that caused the FBI to drop their case in 2011. Jeez. So, to this day, the church says that any accounts of former members, you know, describing this whole are false. 
the place does not exist. They acknowledge that they have a system of discipline for members. They told ABC News that there's no such thing as the whole and never existed. They refute the accounts um, from both Bell and Clear and Lear's A&E show, saying that they're false, motivated by bitterness and money. Great. So apparently there were really cramped conditions. Men would sleep around a conference table. Women slept in cubicles and within small offices within the trailers. The place is infested with ants. In, like, the summer, dead heat of summer, they switch off the air conditioning. So you can imagine 40 people in this shed with no air con. Yeah, that's going to be In, like, 100 and something degree days, right? They schedule shower times for when they're less likely to have to run across David to piss him off. Uh, and, yeah, so that's pretty much it. They make people to group confess... Uh, and they really, really do not like people who have, in their words, homosexual tendencies. And they get their fellow inmates to bash them. Jeez. And again, this is alleged. So, this is where I was like, okay, we know that there are a lot of conspiracies surrounding Scientology. So we already spoke about Operation Snow White. We've already discussed their... Is it a takeover of Clearwater, Florida? Um, there's this place called the Cult Awareness Network buyout. Um, so this place takes 16,000 calls every day and it coaches um, and supports families who have lost loved ones to unorthodox religions. And they worked for 20 years helping people out, uh, trying to expose, excuse me, I have to cough again, <coughs> religions who pretty much just wanted to profit um so you can see straight away that Scientology would target them so the church launched 50 separate lawsuits and they listed every single charge they possibly could on the docket right but nothing went through so most of them were thrown out of court but one landed and then the cult awareness network had to pay two million dollars that caused them to file for bankruptcy and they were bought out great so, to apparently, if you read anything that is published by this, uh, it's propaganda to glorify the church of Scientology. Right. Uh, so, they spied on the creators of South Park, and I actually made us watch this episode because it came on Netflix Australia. And so, they literally have a caption on the screen when you watch the episode, and it says, this is what Scientologists actually believe, Right. So a lot of people were freaked out because, you know, most people didn't really know what Scientology was about. They knew that Scientologists were creepy, but they didn't know the final end piece of paper that, you know, how you're supposed to go through all the levels of auditing or clearing before yeah. you reach that final lever, lever, level. And they give you a lever, letter and they put you in a quiet uh, meeting room and you read it and you find out about the whole vol volcano aspect bullshit, yeah. right? And so most people didn't know about it. And so this episode aired. And then an internal letter from the Office of Special Affairs um, asked for viable strings that can be pulled against the South Park show creators. And so they pretty much went through, pulled every single public record on them. They went through their rubbish 
their phone records and they had bank records and asked me how they got through them. So they tried to blackmail Matt Stone and uh, all they said was they tried to pull some strings, but I didn't find anything more from that. We know that they like to remove criticism from the internet. So a former Scientologist, Tori Christman, says that the Office of Special Affairs has a whole team dedicated to nothing but removing or refuting every piece of criticism against the church they can find on the internet. One person, she says, can use five separate computers with five separate anonymous identities. Jeez. Right, at any one time. The church has been caught using multiple accounts to progressively edit and repeatedly, uh, aggressively and repeatedly edit Wikipedia articles, as you said, to remove criticism, add positive comments. Um, so now apparently Wikipedia has banned Scientologists from editing articles. So if someone makes uh, an edit to something involving keywords, it will revert back to, so they can save it. Yeah. And then within 30 seconds, the system server will refer the edit back to what it was originally. So we know that they like to spread lies about former members. Um, pretty much read the book for that about all the hate speech and slander and all that bullshit. They trick people into donating money and that's common people like you and me, not so much celebrities because they want to make the celebrities happy. Yeah. So, um, I found this thing where it was like actress Jenna Elfman was invited to come to Legoland to light their Christmas tree one year. Uh, she was happy to oblige. She wasn't going to accept a penny for her work. Instead, all she asked was for Lego to donate $10,000 to a charity called the Youth for Human Rights Group. And turns out they didn't have anything to do with human rights because they're a front for Scientology. Uh, so there you go. It's all bullshit. Pretty much. And Lego caught on to it, thankfully. So they use celebrities to sign silence news stories. So this is where we've got like people who call absolute shit it, and it's just they're all yeah pretty much so apparently when Leah Rimini started um, putting the news reports out she started on 60 Minutes before she made her series and Tom Cruise personally called her and said cut it do not let 60 Minutes air the episode jeez um, and so the they pretty much ran the story anyway and they Scientology blamed her for failing to censor it. Jeez. They're also known to stop book releases. The most popular one being the one that so David Miscavige's dad, who got him into Scientology, has published a book about his son. Saying My know. son's a fucking ruthless asshole, right? So, we already know that Jenna's published it, but his dad himself wrote a book, and it's called Ruthless Scientology, My Son David Miscavige and Me. And he says that his son lied about being appointed head of um, Scientology by LRH, and says that he seized power, which makes sense. I'm not saying this is right, but it makes sense because he tried to get rid of the other two people yeah. that were there when he passed away, right? That couple. Um, he also talks about, essentially, the whole... But says it accused, he accused the church of confining members in appalling conditions, subjecting them to deprivation and violence, and a whole lot more. Yeah. And David Miscavige was absolutely freaking furious. He threatened to sue his own dad to stop the book from coming out, but the lawsuit failed. 
Jeez. And last but not least is uh, planting a secret Scientologist senator, as you describe, uh, because they wanted more influence and they're really ready to do whatever it takes. So David Jolly, he ran for the Republican seat in the Senate for Clearwater, Florida. Uh, during his campaign, he called himself a Christian. But people think it's a lie because he received thousands of dollars of donations from Scientology and Scientologists. They were key members of his rallies and fundraisers, and they included him as a guest of honour in their own events. Um, his campaign leaders, as you said, scrubbed off any association to Scientology wherever they could. Yeah. Um, so because it was identified, he was forced to drop out of the race. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe, like, he was just bought off. I reckon it was a lot more ominous than that. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. I apologise that it was a bumper episode, but I just wanted to get it all kind of done because I made people wait for so long. No, that was a good one. Um, So, yeah, at the end of the day, it may be, like, I'm all for things helping people and I like the idea of it, like, they're giving people courses on how to be better people or how to... Like, self-help, right? Be self-help organisation. Exactly. But you're not going to make money from self-help organisation. But I feel like they lie a lot. Yeah. And you can't help but think it's a scam and you hear all the stories about how people are assaulted and... Obviously, they're not gonna. They're gonna say whatever they want to say to people like you and me. If I just randomly walked up into the church of Melbourne this afternoon, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I don't think that there's enough awareness out there to. It, it's because they use manipulation, scare tactics. It's all just drive for popularity. And the people who are actually in Scientology, like. Sea Org or people who have a middle band, they're not allowed to watch any anti church no, because they don't stuff want people because they don't want them to get ideas. No, because if they started getting ideas, well, that's it, game over. Game over. Big time. Mm. So I don't know. That's what I found. Let me know what you think. Like what parts what part scares you the most? What part are you shocked about the most? I think the part that gets me is they've actually got a Colt 45 clause where they actually use a pistol to actually terminate a threat, like a Colt 45 to terminate a threat to Scientology, and they actually put it in to actually assassinate. Yeah. Um, it's really scary. And the sense that um, you could be. Just essentially what it's called, it's it's called R245. Um, and essentially what it's known as is an enormously effective process for exteriorization, but its use is frowned upon by the so, you know the society. Yeah. society. Um, so essentially what it is, it's used to separate a thetan or soul from the body. Um, and essentially... You know, Elrond asserts that, you know, auditing can actually prevent this. But if someone is deemed a threat, it's because a rogue thetan, so therefore they can kill the person using a Colt 45 to separate the thetan from the body. 
So it's yeah, the whole exteriorization thing is just yeah, ridiculous. But um, to be honest, it's like I just read papers of like newspaper articles and people's posts and social media, and they actually had photos of like letters from Scientologists, like. You know, like up to 20-something years later. Um, and you just go... Like, people have been receiving letters. Like, they might have just gone to the, gone into one course in the 80s, right? There was this one guy who went and he just did one course in 1987. He just wanted to see what it was about. And he, he never went back. But he receives letters every year. Like, yeah. how did you find that course? And they actually list the course he went to. And then another woman actually bought a book and a woman wrote to her and she was like, how did you find that book? And she listed the name of the book. Uh, what did you think of this, this, this and this? And if you have more, you know, um, if you have any questions, feel free to write me back at blah or, and then they put the local, like the church that was closest to the person. So like if they were writing to me, they would, they would, they would, give me the address and the contact number and details for the Melbourne church. Yeah, it's... And they supposedly, like, hunt people down. So even if you move, they know you move. So that's kind of... That creeps me out. I like feeling safe from my own home. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I guess that's kind of everything. Uh, I hope I covered it all. You did. Um, again... I will. I'm not saying I'm doing it this week, but I have to organise a PO box and sort all that shit out. Before I get the books and actually getting them and reading them will be a completely different story. And I'm telling you, it's not going to be one of those things that I can read in one sitting. It's going to have to be like, read 10 pages a day and then tap out. Yeah. Because I can tell. But I will like actually analyse and break down this book, these books when I get them. So... Is there anything else you wanted to mention in this week's episode before we say our goodbyes? No, the only thing I was going to add was the, the R245. So, only because I found that scary. Yeah. But I just see it as a total scam because I've actually... You've in, actually, out of the two of us, you've actually been in... Yeah, I've been in the office. building, but I also know people who've converted to Scientology and seeing a complete change in their personality to, to the point where they've literally become introverts... And they don't want anything to do with you. But if you're interested in joining the church, they will literally hound push you, you and hound you and hound and hound and hound. And sort of early 2000s, there was a lot of things where people would literally um, black fax mm. the Melbourne office. And essentially a black fax is where you literally... Put a death throat through a fax machine. No, essentially what you do is you photocopy a, or fax through a, a, just a black page... Hedge. And essentially what it does, the, the black fax goes... Or essentially what you can do is you, you tape one end and it just oh, loops. Yeah. And what it will do, it will, it will burn through all the toner in the printer because it's just... So people will do that to them or they will do that to They people? will do that to the Scientology office. Um, yeah, they would literally troll the office and like force them to... This was before they moved to Ascot Vale. They'd probably still be doing it now, but essentially people would DDoS them mm. and also black fax them. Just... Because you think about it, if you're taking up resources, they can't communicate. It's not that hard for them to unplug a fax machine, though. Yeah. 
I guess back in the 90s, that would have been a big deal. Very big deal. How many Melbournians are Scientologists, do you reckon? A few thousand, maybe. That's my guess. Like, imagine sitting down with someone and then being non-violent. And then, then, like, I watched the video, right? The, The Scientology TV video. And... It's like a tour of their church, Destination Scientology Melbourne, watching Scientology TV. And I watched the whole thing. And they put, like, what looked to be real people. And they went on for literally 20 minutes about how Melbourne is the sporting capital of not only Australia but the world. Any sport Melbourne plays. Yeah. You know, we have food, we have coffee, everyone's here, and Melbourne is this, Melbourne is that. But the actual people looked like real people. Like, the guy who you know good on him for fighting his you know drug thing and he had like piercings that you wouldn't think a normal church would allow but they let him do that they let you know and you just oh i don't know but the way they went on and on and on and you just like what do you do i don't get it i don't know how many people the scientologists in melbourne and it'd be variable it would you know, change, I think, on an annual basis just because of people media promoted, attention. People leave. Yeah. Apparently, they claim that they have 150,000 Scientologists in Australia. Jeez. But in 2016, the census said that 1,684 people said that they were Scientologists. It's just sad. Apparently, the government has banned them from public events. They just completely gone. Nah, not, not dealing with it. Mhm. And in 1965, the Victorian Board of Inquiry into Scientology occurred. Uh, they were restricted from forming forming under the name in Australia. So Australia was like, no, we're not about that bullshit. And then they went through. A court appeal. I just think it, you know, should be... Linda Wallicki, who was formally diagnosed with the psychiatric illness, was not administered to psychiatric drugs prescribed by the hospital because of her beliefs of her, her Scientologist parents. So they administered her vitamins imported from the United States. Her condition worsened, her parents became alarmed, finally relenting and administering her the prescribed medicine. However, three weeks later, she assaulted them, killing her f- mother and her mother and sorry, her father and her sister, wounding her mother. Far out. After the incident, the Australian Church of Scientology Vice President Cyrus Brooks in Sydney continued to criticise psychiatry and psychiatric drugs, while the Australian Medical Association President Rosanna Capolingua spoke to ABC Radio, saying, "If the girl had access to appropriate medical treatment, she would have changed the course of her life." She's been found not guilty of by reason of insanity and she's been living in hospital for the further treatment of the rest of her life. Far out. Um, what else is there? There's a Queen Street massacre where Frank Viktovich had tested the church two months before he shot a number of people on Queen Street. He took a personality test. Shit! So he approached the church as a volunteer before he carried out his massacre. Far out. Uh... Scientology said that he was 
suspect to have hit rock bottom. Uh, people who they identified him as being extremely depressed. Uh, and they enrolled him in the ups and downs life course by the church. And all these people were presented, had to be present at the inquest. Far out. The test itself may have contributed to his mental state before he shot eight people in 1988. There is no evidence that he was influenced. And then the far out, like. It's just scary to see and hear and read everything that goes on. But when you see it come out, it's not in the straight away it's later on yeah so it's almost like it gets covered up um you know senator xenophon the greek guy yeah. the asshole in november of 2009 because he was an independent at the time he spoke in parliament saying that it was a criminal organization and he had received letters from former followers um that included claims of abuse false imprisonment and forced abortion oh my god forced abortion far out he interviewed he and his staff interviewed a number of people he held a parliamentary inquiry to investigate the church's activities and exempt status his call was overwhelmingly rejected by the aussie senate senate voting 33 to 6. Fucking hell. so much just happens that we don't know about regarding these things it's just an absolute joke. Apparently Scientology also targeted schools in New South. They sent them Scientology material and the state government warned principals about a Church of Scientology attempt to infiltrate primary schools with propaganda videos and booklets aimed at Year 6 students. So they're trying to target the kids. The DVD was sent to various schools for children for students but did not reveal it was connected to the Church of Scientology. Could you, what? Who the fuck gets a DVD and shows it to kids anyway. I don't know. It's just essentially... Just in the mail. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, better play for our kids. And, you know, the fact that they don't, you know, differentiate between the kids and the adults, that's why they you treat children is exactly the same. is because they've got adult. older thetans apparently, you know, going to children. So therefore, they... Treat them like adults. Yeah. Which is you just... got to get them from the beginning. Kate Sobrano is one. Yep. James Packer was involved in the church, but he left in 2008. Jeez. Jesus Christ. All right. That scares me. That is very, very scary. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this episode, guys. Um, thank you so much for listening. Yes. Thank you very much for listening. It was, uh, it was a fun one. Informative. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, let us know if you would be interested in us. I think I'm going to do the book stuff anyway, but just give me a while. But if you would yeah. be interested, let me know um, so I can kind of push it up my schedule. Um, so, yeah, uh, next week we're going to do something a little different. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, but I already have all my notes done for it. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, and I think that's pretty much it. Thank you, everyone, for the new support. We've been... Our plays have gone up. It's we check it every day, and we're like, yeah, "Oh my so, god, what!" So thank you for your yeah, support. Yeah, no, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we just want to improve this and make it more enjoyable for everyone who's listening and who wants to listen. So you know, thank you so 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 much. Um, hope you have a fantastic and safe 
New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, the next time you shall hear us, because this video, this video, oh my god, this episode is going live in like two days, um, the next time you shall hear from us is the 5th of um, January. Yes. So, yay. Excellent. Uh, have a fantastic New um, Year's. Yeah. Uh, yep. Be safe again. Hydrate. Yep. Have a friend. Yes. Uh, if you're going to go drinking, that's fine, but don't overdo it and make yeah. sure you and get an Uber you or a taxi afterwards. Exactly don't right. Don't bother driving. I mean, or who rope, knows? A, rope a parent. Rope a parent. Deb. Or do it at home. <laughs> I mean, like, take dad away from working on the car or something, getting to, you know. Yep. And, and don't be that asshole that shoots off firecrackers and because scares neighborhood pets. pets. And um, especially, like, if you're in Australia or we're in the middle of a heat wave. So the last essentially. Thing you want is fireworks yeah. burning down people you know down people's property so yeah, yeah. and if you see any suspicious activity or if you have uh, seen that truck that we were talking about um can you please contact crime stoppers uh shit, where is that number again uh 1-800-333-000 or contact the whittle C cfa yeah Absolutely. Um, again, once again, the number plate, just in case, is RCM636. I'm not saying that it would still have the number plates on them, but if you see it, it's uh, a maroon Toyota four-wheel drive. So, and it, you can quite clearly see the see your face and we will see stickers on the front doors. So, trust me, with all the radios that they appear to have on it, yep. you're going to know what it is. So, thank you so much. Have a fantastic rest of your holiday, guys, and we wish you shall hear from us in the new year. Yes. So uh, until then, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, feel free to uh, give us a thumbs up if yeah you're listening on the channel or you know platform that can. Uh, feel free to uh, well I don't know do we promote the subscribe thing? But I don't know. It's if up, you feel like subscribing, if you feel like that it, would no be pressure. Great. Thank um, you. Because essentially, we just want to help bring. Bring the knowledge to the masses. Well, we enjoy doing yeah. this stuff, so it'd be nice to know that someone enjoys listening to my ramblings. I mean, I, we have had some feedback that has kind of said they prefer listening to you because I sound a bit more of a moron. Um, <laughs> so, moron. in the sense that I just do this for the fun. Um, I am the person who roped you into yeah. it so i feel bad and like you will eventually have your own episode when you find something that you want to talk about yeah but i happen to be the the research head and then you're the person who injects yeah so episode. you know the dislikes are probably due to me no that's so. not true we don't have that many dislikes though yeah which is we've only had one meanie comment oh well, i have plenty of grounds to earn more then. <laughs> okay so thank you so much everyone and you shall hear from us Shortly. Uh, next, I was going to say next year, but next decade sounds better. Yes. And just, I mean, for all the people out there with, um, you know, 2020 vision, um, next this year is the year for, like, perfect hearing. Maybe. Yes. So. Have yeah. a great rest of your day, guys. Have yes. a fantastic week. Bye-bye. Enjoy. Next time. Au revoir. Um, may the force be with you. <laughs> and also with you. Yes. How are you supposed to respond when someone says, may the force be with you? Ask if they're a Sith. Are no, you I'm Sith being serious. Gen- because when someone says, "Some may blah 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 be with you," I immediately go back to my Anglican high school, private school ways, and say, "And also with you." Well, I had someone that said, "May the force," and I said, "Be equal to you know mass times acceleration." acceleration. Um, yeah. So yeah. Anyways, yeah. until then, enjoy and uh, be sure to go watch The Witcher and The Mandalorian if you haven't already. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.